Welcome to Jewish Bedtime Stories with R&R. Today we are reading the Purim story, part 5. Here was Haman, who had been a poor barber, and now he had everything that he could have possibly wished for. He had ten sons. He was very rich. He was second to the king. Everyone bowed down to him. But one look at Mordechai and all his happiness was gone. All he could think about was how much he hated Mordechai. Here he had sent out letters that he was going to kill Mordechai and get rid of all the Jewish people. And Mordechai doesn't even move or pay one drop of attention. When Haman got home, of course, Zaras wasn't there. She never stayed home. She liked to run around town. Haman, someone sent, Haman sent someone out to look for her to tell her to come home immediately. Then he called together his friends and advisors. He had 365 of them, one for each day of the year. Haman told them about the party and how happy he was until he saw Mordechai. And now he was angry and nervous. He didn't know what to do. Enough, said Zarash. Make a tree 50 feet high, and tomorrow early in the morning, before Mordechai gets a chance to daven and say Shema, you'll hang him on the tree. Just think of how much you'll be able to enjoy the party tomorrow night. You'll be eating and drinking with Queen Esther and King Ahasuerus. You'll look out the window and see Mordechai hanging on the tree. Now no one will be left to bother you or make trouble for you. Leave it to my wife Zeresh to come up with the best suggestions, said Haman. Even though it was late at night, Haman sent out all his best tree makers. He woke them up and told them to come to his house immediately. I'll fix that from that Mordechai said. He thinks he is so great because it is from the children of Abraham. But we are all the children of Noah. And it is Noah who Hashem called the Tzadik and saved from the marvel. I'll make the tree out of a board from the table of Noah to prove to Mordechai that he is better than anyone else. No one in Haman's house slept that night. The tree makers were working as fast as they could while Zarash and Haman stood by supervising and saying, Faster, faster, we must get finished. We'll pay you double, triple, just keep working. Zarash played music to entertain the workers and keep bringing them snacks and drinks. Finally, the tree was finished. Let me just check to make sure it's the right size, said Haman. He stood under the tree and said, Perfect. Mordechai is the same height as I am. Perfect, said a voice in Shemayim. Russia that you are. You have built a perfect size tree for yourself to be hung on. Now one last thing, said Zarash. You must go tell Ahasuerus your plan. Haman left for the palace, excited with the thought that in just a short time he would get rid of the man he hated most. Even though he hadn't slept a wink, Haman didn't feel tired. There were a lot of other people who didn't sleep that night of Pesach either. Mordechai was davening to Hashem. Esther was davening to Hashem that all her plans would work out well and she should be able to be at the Shaliyah to save all the Yiddin from the wicked Haman. Ahasuerus couldn't sleep either. He would have thought that after eating and drinking all the wine at Esther's party, he would have fallen on his bed and slept soundly. But this did not happen. Something was bothering him, and he wasn't sure what it was. Really, he was bothered by the fact that Esther invited Haman to her party. What did she want him there anyway? Why, why does she seem so friendly with Haman? Could it be that she likes Haman better than me? Worse, could it be that she and Haman are planning to kill me as Big Seven Sharash had done? Hashverosh tried to remember every detail of what had happened since Esther had come to him. He tossed and turned, but could not fall asleep. Finally, he called to his servants. Bring in my record book and read to me about all the things that have happened in my kingdom. Perhaps that will give me a clue to my problem. Now, one of Haman's sons was in charge of keeping the records. He 
He brought in the record book, opened it, started to read, and then stopped. He had opened to the part about how Mordechai had saved Achnashverosh from Big Son and Sarash. Quickly, he turned to another page, but he saw the same words in front of him. He turned a few more pages. Hasveros was getting impatient. Read, he commanded. I shall, I shall, answered Haman's sons. Again, he turned pages again. But he saw the same part about Mordechai. He had to read it now, but he was tired. To add a word or two to make it sound like it wasn't both Big Son and Sarah, she wanted to poison the king so that Mordechai had killed one of them for nothing. Then he stopped reading. Continue, continue, ordered Achashverosh. How did I reward Mordechai? It says no more, your honor, answered the reader. You mean Mordechai saved my life and I never did anything to thank him? No wonder my servants are not so loyal to me anymore. Maybe one of them know about a plan of Esther and Haman, but they aren't telling me. They didn't get a reward anyway. Why should they start up with Haman? I must do something immediately. Achashverosh sent out the reader and called in another servant. Is there anyone around outside, he asked. Now Haman was out in the hall, waiting to tell Hashverosh that he was going to hang Mordechai on the tree. Haman is waiting to see you, answered the servant. Send him in, ordered Mordechai. Achashver- ordered Achashverosh. Haman came into the room, but before he could open his mouth, Hashverosh asked, Tell me, my loyal friend Haman, what would be the best way for me to pay honor to a special person? This is my day, thought Haman. The king is finally going to honor me. For all my service, I am getting rid of Mordechai, and I am going to the party of the queen all in one day. Let the man be dressed in a robe that the king has worn. Let him ride on a horse that the king has rode on, and let a runner go before him and call out, This is how a man shall be honored by the king. Let the royal crown be placed on his head. As soon as Haman mentioned the crown on his head, he saw Hashverosh's face got angry and he quickly tried to take out asking for the crown. You see, as soon as Hashverosh heard royal crown on his head, he started thinking again that maybe Haman is planning to kill him after all so that he can be king and wear the royal crown. Take the royal robe, the horse, and go quickly. Do exactly what you said to Mordechai and don't change one detail. You can well imagine that the change that came over Haman's face. Here, he came to get permission to get rid of Mordechai, and now he is going to be forced to give him the greatest honor. I, I don't, I, I don't know Mordechai. Mordechai the Jew answered Achashverosh. Lots of Jews have the name Mordechai," said Haman. "The one who sits by my gate," said the king. "But there are many gates to your palace." Which one? The one who sits in the gate that leads to the queen's palace. You know exactly what I mean. I even sent both of you once to Yerushalayim for me. Now get going. I'll tell you what, continued Haman. I will give him the 10,000 pieces of silver and I won't kill him when I get rid of the rest of the Jews. Now that should be a fine enough reward for him. You will give him the 10,000 silver pieces in addition to everything else I have commanded you to do. I have a still better idea. Make him a ruler in one of your faraway countries. I have a still better idea, answered Achashverosh. Maybe I'll make him a royal over all my countries. Maybe I will even put his picture on our silver coins. Maybe I'll give him your job. All right, all right, said Haman. I will take back all the letters I sent out. I will leave the Jews alone. Mordechai will be happy, and I will be happy. I will worry about your letters, said Achashverosh. Now go and do as I say. 
It would be better for me if you would kill me rather than make me give honor to the, my worst enemy, Mordechai. Go, said the king. Look how I honor you. I am willing to do all the extra things for Mordechai that you have suggested. Haman saw how he had no choice. Slowly, he started to leave, and Achashverosh shouted after him, Move faster, and remember, don't dare to try to leave out one thing from all of the things I said. Haman went to the king's treasure's house to get the robe that the king wore on the first day he was king. His face was white, his lips were quivering, his knees were knocking together, and his head that he always held so high was bent to the ground. Then he went to get the horse. After he had everything, he started to look for Mordechai. He found him learning with some students. Since it was Pesach, he was teaching them about the Omer. When Mordechai looked up, he saw Haman coming with the horse. Run fast, he told the students. Haman is coming to kill me. We shall never leave you, answered the students, no matter what happens. Mordechai covered himself with the talus and started saying Shema. Stand up, ordered Haman. I guess Hashem heard your prayers, and the king is so chosen to honor you. Here, put on these clothes. Foolish you are indeed, said Mordechai. I have been fasting and sitting on the ground with ashes on my head for three days. Do you think I just put on clothes with the king? First I met the bees and take a haircut. I am also very weak. Haman went to get the both soaps and oils from the king's storage house. For Mordechai, in the meantime, Esther heard what had happened. She immediately declared a holiday, ordered all stores and businesses closed. All the people lined in the streets waited anxiously to see who it was to be honored by the king. When Haman took Mordechai to the bathhouse, all the places were closed and the water was cold. Haman had no choice but to wash out the bathtub himself, heat up the water, and help Mordechai get cleaned up and ready by rubbing oil on his skin. Then Haman tried to find a barber. But all the shops were closed. Haman tried to get one of his friends to pretend he was a barber, but Mordechai refused. He was afraid a friend of Haman might cut his necks accidentally. Haman asked Mordechai, What do you want me to do? There is no other barber. Who do you think you are fooling, Haman? You think I don't know you? You were a barber for 22 years. You I am not afraid of, because if you dare start up with me, the king will take care of you. So Haman carefully cut Mordechai's hair, despite the fact that he was shaking all over. Haman dressed Mordechai in the robe and placed a crown on his head. Then he gave the loudest sigh you ever heard. <sighs> exactly what are you sighing about? asked Mordechai. Second to the king I am. Everyone bows down to me, and here you have turned me into a bathhouse keeper and a barber. Get up on the horse already, said Mordechai. I can't, said Mordechai. I am weak and hungry from my fast. I must get some food first, and then I will come back. Mordechai went to Esther, who had prepared a meal for him. Then he came back to Haman. Climb up on the horse quickly, said Haman. Haman was getting nervous, because it was getting late, and Ahasuerus had warned him that he better not show up at Esther's party unless he had done everything he was supposed to do. I can't climb up, said Mordechai. I am weak, and the horse is too tall for me. All right, all right, said Haman impatiently. I will bend over and you can sit first on my back and then get up on my horse. Haman bent over and Mordechai climbed up on his back. At that moment, he gave Haman a good kick. Mordechai was led through the streets with 27,000 men walking in front of him carrying golden cups. 
This was to show that everything that Mordechai, everyone that it was Mordechai, saved the king from drinking poisons. Water. Mordechai thanked Hashem again by saying, Prakim from Sefer Tehillim. The Yidin all whacked in back of him, thanking Hashem, while the woman peeked out the windows to see the great honor paid to Mordechai and to thank Hashem for answering their tefillos in this terrible time. Esther also peered out from the palace window to see the magnificent sight of Mordechai riding on the king's horse. She thanked Hashem for hearing her tefillos. It seems that there was only one house in Shushan where the people did not quite know what was happening. That was in the mansion of Haman. Zarish was so excited about her brilliant plan to build a tree for Mordechai, she was anxiously awaiting the news that Haman's enemy was no more. She had all the food and music ready to celebrate. When Haman's daughter heard all the noise in the street, she ran to the window. Here they come, she shouted. Father is on the horse and Mordechai is leading him. Here, where he will be hung on the tree. I want to get even with Mordechai myself, she thought. She quickly picked up a full garbage with pail and dumped it on the head of the man, leading the horse. When Haman looked up with the saddest of eyes, his daughter realized that she had brought the greatest shame on top of shame to her father. At that moment, she fell from the window. After the parade was over, Haman quickly tried to sneak into his house, so that no one should see him. He covered his face, so that if someone did see him, they would not recognize him. His friends and advisors were all gathered in his house. They had come to celebrate the end of Mordechai, and now they saw Haman enter looking worse than they had ever seen him before. Haman was most annoyed at Zarash, because she was the one who told him to go early in the morning to the king, and now he blamed her for all his troubles. No more of your advice, he snapped. Keep quiet and let someone else talk. The wise men started to tell Haman that if he had been forced to honor Mordechai, it was a sign that Hashem had answered the tefillos of the Yidin. You won't be able to win over him now. They started to say, The only thing you can now do is run far away as fast as you can. But they never got to finish the sentence. The door flew open and the servants of Ahasuerus were there to get Haman for Esther's party. Among the servants were Harvona, who saw the big tree standing and also overheard a good part of the conversation. Haman was taken to the palace. In the meantime, Esther had sent out messengers to gather together all the sons of Haman, who were bosses in different provinces of the kingdom. She was afraid that if they heard... There was a trouble. They might get to the people in the provinces to get together and fight against the king. By the time Haman got to the party, his head was swimming. Everything had happened so fast that he didn't even have time to think. Hashem wanted it that way because Haman was such a good talker. Nachashverosh had changed his mind so many times. It was important that there should be no time to think. Haman was very sad and started drinking a lot of wine to forget his troubles. Ahasuerus was also sad that perhaps he had been too hard and not fair to his good friend Haman. He also started to drink many glasses of wine so he shouldn't think about it. Esther ate little bits of food now because the fast was over, but she still stayed away from wine. Finally, Ahasuerus remembered that Esther had promised to tell him who she was. She asked her again, 
what she wanted and insisted that this time she asked for something else for herself rather than a favor for someone else. Now Esther started to cry. How can I enjoy anything in your kingdom after you have sold me and my people to a Russia who wants to kill us? This man pretended to be your friend, but he is really only interested in himself. He has tricked you so many times by saying one thing, doing something else. If he could, he would kill not only the Jews, not only me, but you too. Who is this man who is secretly planning all this in his heart? It is none other than this wicked enemy, Haman. Upon hearing the words of Esther, Haman started to shake all over. The king got very angry and very hot that he decided that he needed some fresh air. He walked into his garden. When he looked around and he remembered the party he had there many years ago when Vashti was killed, then he had realized that he left Esther and Haman alone inside. Worrying that Esther might not be safe, he hurried back to the party room. In the meantime, Haman had fallen on the couch where Esther was to beg her to forgive him and asked that the king let him live. When Ahasuerush walked in and saw Haman on Esther's couch, he was sure Haman was trying to kill her. Now he got more angry than ever. You think you can harm the queen when I am standing right here in my palace? Hearing the words of the king, Haman's face turned white. The guards quickly took him out of the room so that Ahasuerush might calm down a bit. Now Harvona spoke up. He wanted to be on the good side of the king, even though he was once a friend of Haman. Do not think that this is the only thing Haman has done against you, said Harvona. He was part of the plan with Bixan and Sarash to kill you. He planned to kill Esther, the queen. If he were really your friend, he would have liked Mordecai for saving your life. But really, he wouldn't mind getting rid of you too. What did he do? He built a huge tree on which to hang your loyal friend Mordecai. If you look out the window, you'll see the tree from here standing at his house. Akashverosh immediately ordered that Haman be hung on the tree. Hamad begged Mordechai to have Rachmanas on him. He still hoped somehow to carry out his bad plans. On the 17th day of Nisan, the third day of Pesach, the voice of one of the greatest, Sone Yisrael, was silenced. Haman was put on the tree where he stayed for almost a year, till the 13th day of Adar the next year. All the palaces and wealth of Haman were given to Esther by Ahasuerus, who put Mordechai in charge of Haman's entire estate. Finally, Ahasuerus gave Mordechai the ring with the king's seal, which he had removed from the hands of Haman. The end of the Purim story. Thank you for listening to Jewish Bedtime Stories with R&R. Please come again.